for this is I guess this is kind of like what the the enemies want. Balaam is hired to curse Israel, and and then instead of cursing Israel, all he does is bless them. It's great, and so here's Balaam. He's about to he's trying to curse him, and here's what he one of the things he says: No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. I love that. The shout of the king is among them. The shout of the king is with you, New River Church. The shout of the king. You can hear your king going, my people. He's so pumped. <sighs> That's not the message. This is what I was thinking about. And then, and then um, so... One of our other basics, Elaine mentioned enjoy Jesus is one of our first, that's really our first basic. Our fourth basic as a church is to equip, or yeah, equip, equip disciple makers, but also engage culture is the other one. And you know, as part of that, so as a church, we are sponsoring Bowers Elementary School, and we have this Lego club that's starting and um, at the end of April, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. It's an after, basically, it's an after-school program. And it's just, again, it's a way to, it's just a way to, to represent Jesus in our public school. And, you know, we're there just loving on these little kids and putting together Legos. It's kind of fun. Uh, and then the other one is that uh, you might have noticed, so it looks like the kids are winning so far, adults. Um, we're engaged, one of our other ways we're engaging culture is the food drive. We're giving food away. Uh, supplying our food pantry, and the adults are versus are against the kids, and the kids are winning. So, all right, kids. So we just started that last week. This is just getting going. So, adults, we have time to catch up. We, we're still not out of the game yet. Uh, so it's only the first quarter. You got so you got time. And then the other the other one is that I was so excited this last week Thursday night our. Our uh, outreach team met together, and they started to pray and make some good plans and all for the summer ministry and the spring coming up. And uh, this team, these guys are great. I really want to uh, just publicly, you know, acknowledge uh, Susie and and the team. Uh, they really had a we had a great night Thursday night. I'm very encouraged by what came out of that. And um, one of the members of our outreach team is Amy. And uh, Amy Timmons, and Amy has, Amy's just, she's just crazy for Jesus, and I love that girl. But uh, one of the, she, she wants to go door-to-door, uh, -door, walking through the neighborhood, blessing neighbors, introducing them to Jesus. And she and Tara, who's another kind of crazy one, they're going to be going, they're going to be doing that. The, I mean it, I mean crazy in a good way. You understand, it's a good crazy, okay. So they're going to be going door-to-door, -door and... Uh, if you want to join them, you can talk to either one of them, and they'd love to set you up for that. I think it's going to be great. So this morning, let's get to the Word. We've gonna, we're going to look at two different passages this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5, where we've been. We've been studying Romans as a church. And uh, then I'm going to jump from there over back to Joshua chapter 7, to the Old Testament book of Joshua, where we'll spend most of our time today. You know, one of the beautiful things about playing basketball alone is nobody cares if you miss a shot. It's great. If you miss a shot, you just take it over again. There's no team to be disappointed. There's no opponent to gloat. You just step back, shoot it again. And you keep shooting it till you make it. And the beautiful thing, when you make it, it's like all the ones you missed don't count because it's just you in the bucket. I want you to hear this. Jesus, he's the only basket you got to make. Listen, whatever mistakes, whatever things you've done, those things, they mean nothing once you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. The moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, all those baskets you missed before, it's like they never even happened. He's the only bucket that counts. He's also the only bucket that counts. If you don't place your faith in him, you lose. 
He's the only bucket that counts. I want to talk with you this morning. There's kind of a, a, a Bible word that gets used that illustrates this, and it's the word justification. Justification is a banking word. It's, a, it's an accounting word, and it means your, your debits and your credits are brought to zero. They balance out. And in our relationship with God, we have an enormous debt. We have racked up a huge debt, and we're so far in the hole that it's impossible for us to ever balance out that debt. Jesus comes along, and he justifies us, meaning Jesus pays that debt and brings the balance back to zero. We sang about it this morning. I mean, he is just, what, what a wonderful gift he's given to us. That he paid a debt that you and I could never pay off. Jesus paid it off for us, and now we're back to zero. The, the books are balanced right back out again. Are you, are you with that? And, and what that effectively is for you and me is it's a fresh start. Now I have an opportunity. Will I continue the same behavior, same attitudes, same beliefs that got me into debt in the first place? Or will I take this fresh start, this opportunity that Jesus has paid for me to have, and will I begin to make a change? That's the question for you and me. And my prayer today, frankly, is that you and I would become stunned by what Jesus has done for us. I want us to, to not just know about justification, but to actually feel it, that we would come to appreciate it on a heart level. That's my prayer, that we leave this place and we go, wow, I, I was completely lost, but Jesus has totally paid that debt and said, I've got a whole new lease on life. I want you to not just know that this morning. I want you to walk away feeling that and living that. Because Jesus gives us that fresh start. And then we've got a whole new lease on our future. So we want to start in Romans chapter 5. And we've been studying Romans as a church. If you're a guest with us today, uh, this isn't our first time in Romans. So we're up to Romans chapter 5. And we've really just been going through this book basically uh, piece by piece, and today I want to start with Romans chapter 4, though, verse 25, and then we'll get into chapter 5. So Romans chapter 4 ends with, he, that's Jesus, he, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. There's that word. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Oh, I love that. Isn't that something? We've gained access. Access. You got access, man. You got access into the very living room of heaven. You got access into the very presence of the God of the universe. You've got access through Jesus Christ. You gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You and I have got something to brag about. Oh, it's nothing I've done. <laughs> what I've done isn't all that impressive. But I do have a lot to brag about. What I have to brag about is that Jesus Christ got me out of the hole, man. I was in debt so far down I couldn't see the light of day, and Jesus got me out of it. That's something to boast about. It's really his win. Every win is his win, not my win, not your win. It's his win. Can I get an amen? You with me? Okay, thank you. Yeah, he says we are justified by faith, and we've, been, we've talked about faith. Remember, we've learned faith. Faith basically is this. Everything in your relationship and my relationship with God, everything is based on a promise that he made. And the only thing you did is you believed that promise. You were like, okay, God, God, God made you a promise and you said, okay, I'll wait for that. You, you believed the promise. 
That's faith. That's our entire relationship with God works like that. He makes a promise. I believe the promise. I act on that. Plain and simple. And he says, my faith is in, and then Paul, who's writing Romans, begins to kind of explain that actually from here on out, he really fleshes out what all you and I have by faith. We've gained access. Okay, well, do you want to know what you have access to? You want to know? That's the rest of the book of Romans. So we have to keep coming back for the next about two years it'll take us to go through this book. But that's the rest of the book of Romans. It's what you have access to. And this morning, you've got access to this thing called justification, which means you are now debt-free before God. He has brought your balance to zero. You don't owe him anything. And I love this. I love this. There's no, uh, where is it? Uh, we boast. Um, hmm, hmm. Okay, I lost my thought. There's a spire. Yeah, we have, pe oh, we have peace with God. Because of that, we have peace with God. Have you ever owed somebody money? Maybe just 20 bucks. They, you, loan, you borrowed 20 bucks off of them. And then you tell them, hey, next time I see you, I'll catch up with you. 20 bucks. But then the next time you see him, you forgot the 20 bucks. You don't have the 20. How, do, how, do you, how does that usually go? You kind of hang your head. <sighs> okay. I promise I'll get, the, I'll get it to you next time. I'll get it to you next time. And then how many of you have gone more than one time? And every time you see that person, you say, okay, I promise next time I'll bring the 20 bucks. Been there? Now catch this. We have a debt before the God of the universe that Jesus wiped clean. And I used to hang my head whenever I thought about God. Whenever I thought about God, I used to have shame in my heart. Because I owed him big, man. And now I have peace with God. The debt's been paid. And get an amen on that one. You with that? Thank you. You got to help me today. This is not, I'm not here to entertain. We're going to work on this together. Okay. So now to illustrate this, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 7. So please go all the way back to your Old Testament, to the Sixth book of the Bible, and fifth book of the book, sixth book of the Bible, sixth book of the Bible, and um, actually seventh book, and we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7. Now, I want to tell you up front that this story that we're going to read, and we're gonna, I'm just going to read it and kind of talk through it, it's a rough one, and some of you are going to be a little probably ruffled by the story, but... Hang tight, because it has a, there's a really good ending in it for you and for me, okay? So it's, we're just, I want to, I want us, like I said, we've got to feel this thing called justification, and not just, because I can, I can explain, oh yeah, debits, credits, balanced out, zero, but I need to, I need to know it down deep. And this story of Achan helps bring us to that place, I believe. So Joshua chapter 7, God is leading the people of Israel. Joshua is the leader, and they're conquering the promised land. And remember, anybody remember what the first battle was in the promised land? What was the first city that they had to conquer? Jericho. Right. And remember the battle of Jericho? They walk around the wall, seven days, walls collapse, boom. They go in, they take it. Jericho is their very first victory in the promised land. So as a result of that, God made a very specific instruction. Don't touch it. That's mine. You devote the whole thing to me. In other words, Jericho is kind of their first fruits. Jericho is kind of like their tithe. Think about it. It's like you're coming into the promised land. I'm giving you this whole thing. But this first one's mine, people. Don't touch it. And so he was very clear about that instruction. As they came in, don't touch. It's all mine, that city, everything in it. Now, imagine, you know how easy that would be, how tempting that would be. 
I mean, I know how tempting it is. I want God's stuff all the time. <laughs> but these people, they're country bumpkins. They've been, I mean, the Israelites have been in the desert. They've been sucking sand for 40 years, living in tents. Jericho is a, a metropolitan-type city. It's, 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 it's a, I mean, by ancient standards, it's a big city. So the big city has all this stuff in it that these country bumpkins might be interested in. Did you see the temptation there? And not only that, are, not only are they country bumpkins, but they're hungry bumpkins because they've been in the desert for 40 years. So that makes Jericho look even more appealing. Let's see how that goes for them. So they win the battle, Joshua chapter 7. But the Israelites, look at the butt, start right off, man, that's a bad butt. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. In other words, the things that belong to God. God's like, that city's mine. They were unfaithful. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. You, you know stealing God's stuff isn't good, right? Y'all know that? <laughs> I don't want to steal God's. <laughs> and that's what they did. And as a result, God's anger burned against them. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Ai was the next city that they were going to conquer. They just, they just beat up Jericho, moving on to take Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Just send two or 3,000 men to take it. Don't, don't weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. So you see what's happening. They just beat up Jericho real bad. They go check out Ai. Small little place. So the spies come back. Hey, Moses, hey Joshua, hey, just send the JV team in. Just because we don't want to wear out the whole army. Just, so they send the JV team to AI, and the JV team gets whomped really bad. And that leaves Joshua and the people of Israel like, what the heck, God? You left us. What happened? We were supposed to win that one. God. And they began to fear. Their hearts became like water. Listen, AI represents this for you and me. Friends, AI represents the battles you're supposed to win. But you can't because there's sin in your life. AI is the easy one, man. It's the one you, sh it's the, it's the no-brainer. <laughs> you, do you have a no-brainer in your life that keeps defeating you? That's the AI. Like you should be beating it up. You should be crushing it, but you're not. Why? Because there's sin that you don't know about. We've said it before, the most dangerous sin in your life, it's not the big, bad, ugly one. The most dangerous sin in your life is the one you don't do anything about. Or also the one you don't know about. Because there's sin that I don't know about too in my life. And that causes trouble, right? You don't have to know about it for it to cause trouble for you. You get that? It's just trouble. Sometimes uh, sin, sometimes my sin is like snoring. I'm the only one that can't see it. Everybody else hears it. Everybody says, whoa, you snore really bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think I'm just fine. I'm quiet as a baby. No, you're not. Sometimes my sin's like that. And that's the most dangerous one to you and to me. You want to pray a daring prayer, pray the prayer of the psalmist who said, search my heart, O God, and know me. 
and see if there's any unclean way in me, God. Go ahead, test me. Try my anxious thoughts. Go ahead, God. You want to pray a daring prayer? I dare you. Ask God to start meddling in your life. God, go ahead. Because I, I, I mean, hey, I'm not lying. I know there's sins in my life that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure. I'm certain of that. God, I need you to show them to me. Because AI is kicking my butt and it shouldn't be. Follow? And so here's Joshua. You and I, now you and I are the reader. Remember, we're the reader, so we see this. Joshua doesn't see it. Remember, he's right in the middle of it. So all Joshua knows is we should have won this battle and we didn't. And now he's down on his face. And here's what happens next. Joshua, I'm in verse 6, tore his clothes and he fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening, the elders of Israel did the same, and they sprinkled dust on their heads. This is a bad day for Israel. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. I love that. <laughs> Have you ever had this prayer? It's the, God, what the heck are you doing, God? What? You completely left me high and dry. God, this is not making sense. God, you're doing me wrong. And then suddenly you kind of go, pardon your servant, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm just a little upset right now. That's Joshua. I'm a little upset right now. Pardon your servant, God. But, but you know the beautiful thing about God is you can do that. Isn't that awesome? God has really big shoulders. I love that. Sometimes he's the only one that can take some of your most poisonous stuff going on. And here's Joshua. Anyway, so Joshua goes, well, pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Joshua was concerned about God's reputation. I propose to you, are, are we more concerned about God's reputation or our own? What matters more, that Manchester knows that there's a great God over this city or that Manchester knows that New River Church is a wonderful church? See, what matters more is God's reputation, not ours. And Josh was concerned about God's reputation. His concern was, hey, God, uh, your people should have won this one. We didn't. Therefore, you look bad. So what's happening? You do understand that your life, you are an ambassador, get that, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven for good or for worse. May it be good. And so God agrees with Joshua. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They have put them in with their own possessions. And that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turned their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not, oh, these words cut my heart like a knife. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. This is not about salvation. You and I are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You can be saved and still not be enjoying the fullness of God's presence and good fellowship with him. These are God's people, and God says, I can't. I'm not gonna, I can't be with you anymore. You've got my stuff. You're lying. You, you've, 
you know, maybe the reason why you don't sense the presence of the Lord in your own life is for this. Maybe. Is it possible when you say, oh God, where are you? That maybe there's something else going on that you don't know about and it's time to do some serious soul searching. It's time to make a prayer like Joshua made right here. Come on. What's going on, God? That's a good, that's a, not, that's a good place to be. Let's take that to the Lord. Amen? I don't want, God, I, I don't want this. I don't want... <laughs> I don't, I don't want the secret sins lying around somewhere in my heart that I don't know about. I want them dealt with because I want the presence of the Lord. I've tasted the Lord. I know that he's good. I know what it is to enjoy the rapturous, thrilling presence of God. I love that. And I also know what it is to not have it. And when I don't have it, oh, I yearn for it. Joshua's like, God, I got to have God. What's happening? And God says, okay, Joshua, let me tell you. Here's what's going on. There's some sin that you got to know about. You got to deal with right here. Okay, where is it? Let's go after it. Now, may you and I go after it in the same way that Joshua went after it. Are you ready? So verse 13, Joshua says, go and consecrate, or God tells Joshua, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. It's just what Carolyn was urging the ladies to do. Hey, consecrate. You got to get ready. We get ready for all kinds of stuff. That's what Lent is all about. Lent is getting ready for, the, for Easter. Friends, we prepare for all kinds of, of things. Why not prepare to meet God? Why not prepare for my time with him? So, he, so Joshua says, prepare everybody. Get ready. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says... There are devoted things among you, Israel. You can't stand against your enemies until you remove them. I wonder at that point if that's when Achan started to know that it was going to be trouble. Or I wonder if Achan was really thinking he had gotten away with it still. We don't know. Verse 14, in the morning present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses will come forward, clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward, family by family. And the family the Lord chooses will come forward, man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerites were chosen. I wonder, is Achan sweating yet? He had the clan of the Zerites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward, man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, tribe of Judah, chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, it's true. It's true. I, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I I, I coveted them, and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So here's Achan. He uh, fell to that temptation. He, he saw God's stuff, and he wanted it. It says, I coveted it, so I took it. I wonder, um, I wonder how often we covet uh, the things of God. if I can explain this right, but it happens a lot. Coveting is a really big issue in our whole culture in general. It seems like it fuels a lot of stuff. You know, you see somebody uh, with a really great, um, <laughs> oh, so I can just be personal. I can be personal, can't I? So, man, Stephen Furtick, that boy can preach. Can I just say? Can I just say that boy knows how to preach? 
And can I just tell you, sometimes I, I watch them and I go, man, I wish I could preach like that. <laughs> Do I covet the gift of God in that man? Because that's coveting. I, I'm, I want the Lord's devoted thing. That's his devoted thing. That's not mine. And that's not even really Stephen's gift. Can I say it? I'm sure he would say that. I'm not speaking for him. I'm sure he would say it's not his gift either. It's God's gift. So why would I covet? I, I can't, that's, I'm not going to covet something that belongs to the Lord and then try to take it for myself. And I can just say that as a preacher, but I mean, there's a lot of, uh, we do this in all kinds of other ways. We see the, the gifts that God or the blessings that God has given to others, and then we covet that. You know that the Bible, let me just, uh, here's one, let me meddle. The Bible says that, that God is the one who gives men the ability to be wealthy. And so when I covet the money that somebody else has, I'm coveting what, God, what belongs to God. just saying it's through our culture all around it, it we need to be careful Aiken Aiken's sin is still ours I see what God's doing and I covet I want I want what God has you know I, I, I uh, you know recently I know uh, well I think it was Kevin he put this on Facebook this guy this preacher guy that gave his wife some really fancy car and I, I was really like I was really saddened by all of the negative stuff that went on about that I like that's just nothing but jealousy, people. Why can't we be why can't we be happy for the guy that gets his wife a nice car, man? I don't get that. Why that's a problem. Why and why we gotta judge a guy we don't even know. I don't even know that guy. I don't know how he paid for that car. It's not my place to judge him. You know, it seems like the Bible says we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. We're better at weeping with those who weep than we are at rejoicing with those who rejoice. It, maybe we need to learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice. And say, I'm happy for you, bud. That's a hot car. That's sweet. What a nice ride. I'm happy for you. Oh, friends, let me tell you something. There's freedom there. <laughs> Achan wasn't very free. <laughs> so Joshua, so then what do they do? Achan's sin is discovered. They go, they find it. They go, they find it. And then this is the part that a lot of people that I said probably would make you uncomfortable. In our modern years, we have a hard time wrapping our brain around what happens next to Aiken. And I'm not even going to take the time to explain it, to be true. <laughs> if it really bothers you enough, we can talk about it offline at some point. But here's what happens next. So verse 22, Joshua sent messengers. They ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had, to the valley of Accor. Everybody say valley of Accor. Valley of Accor. That's important. Don't forget that. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of what? Valley of Accor ever since. Don't forget, Valley of Accor, the word Accor means trouble. It's the valley of trouble. The valley of Accor represents that place of your greatest failure. It's a dark place. The valley of Accor is, obviously, it's not the place that you just love to go to for vacation. It's a hard place. It's a place of judgment. It's a place of trouble. It's a place of pain. It's a place of suffering. It's a place that hurts. The valley of Accor. It's not a pleasant place. This is the place where Achan and his entire family, Achan's entire family suffers for his sin. Hey, there's a principle there, moms and dads. 
Achan's entire family suffers for his sin. They, they're all lost in the valley of Accor. We come to chapter 8, verse 1, and then we turn a corner. Even the word then. Then the Lord said to Joshua, oh, can I get a hallelujah for the word then? Hallelujah, huh? For the word then? Then? Oh, then? We like then. Then means the valley of Accor is behind me. Then, okay. Then I'm moving forward. Then, then is my next step. The valley of Accor is, is over. We're through it. Then... The Lord said to the Israelites, he goes, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. See, all that's now removed. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Take the whole army with you. I like that. Don't just take the JV team this time, Josh. Everybody go. Everybody go up to Ai. They all go up to Ai, for I have delivered it into your hands. And you can read the rest of the chapter. He delivers it into their hands. They win the battle. Ai is finally succumbed to Israel. It's awesome. Friends, you deal with this, this hidden thing, boom, fresh strength. The fear is gone. The courage has come. You can now face that thing that's been dogging you for all those years, and you can overcome it. It's overcome. AI is, is an easy battle once the hidden sin is dealt with. Once it's taken care of, AI is, it's, it's like AI just falls right in front of you once the hidden sin is taken care of. Valley of Accor behind you. The victory in front of you. Can I take us back to Romans chapter 5? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Jesus has made me right. He's come to my valley of Accor, taken care of it, justified it. Jesus paid it. Look at Achan's body got thrown under a pile of rocks. Jesus got buried in a rock, and he overcame it. Jesus justifies us through faith. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now gained access. I can now move forward by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What are we boasting about? I'm boasting about the fact that God, that Jesus, Jesus went into the valley of Echor for me and he paid that price, friends. He paid that price. Do you understand you and I were aching? We were the, the, the devoted stuff that, man, there was sin in our tent. We, we were, we were, we're aching. But Jesus stepped into the valley of Accor, and he took that for us. And now I want you to catch this. Isaiah chapter 60, you know what the Bible does? I love it. The Bible takes this valley of Accor, and there's two verses that turn it on its head. Like only God can do. Isaiah 65, verse 10. Look at what it says. Sharon, God speaking to the people of Israel. Sharon is not a lady. It's actually a, a region, just so you know. Sharon will become a pasture for flocks. And the valley of Accor, a resting place? The valley of trouble is a resting place? What? The valley of Accor is a resting place for herds, for my people will seek me, God says. When, my, when I set my people free, when I justify, when Jesus justifies you, now there's peace. Now you can seek him. There's no shame. There's no fear, right? I can seek him, and God says, we can turn that valley of trouble into actually a resting place. But I like this next one, too. I think I like this next one even better. Hosea. Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. It says, God is speaking again. And he goes, there I will give her back her vineyards. And I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. 
God takes the place of your greatest failure, your greatest darkness. He takes that place and he turns it actually into a door of hope. Where the then, from Joshua chapter 8, then the Lord said, now that's a door of hope. You can move on because Jesus paid the debt. You've been justified. You can move on. You don't have, you know, you know what happens? You go, hey, Jesus, you remember that debt? He goes, I don't remember. What debt? As far as, it, it's li literally like it never even happened. Sometimes, old-time preachers, they, they've used this before. This is not mine. But they say the word justified means that Jesus makes it just if I'd never sinned. That's kind of the play on words they do. He made it just if I'd never sinned. He actually wipes it completely clean. What sin? The, so the valley of Accor has now become a door of hope. Because Jesus justified us. It's not something that, oh, I love it. And not only this I can have peace with God. I'm free. I'm free. See, the, the question, friends, for you and me is this. What do you do with your freedom? I come back to, you can, Karis and Chris, you can come up if you want. But I come back to my question I started with early this morning. Jesus sets us free and he erases that debt. So now the question you and I have to answer is, am I going to continue the same beliefs and attitudes that got me into debt, or will I take this new lease on life that Jesus has paid for me, and will I use this as a springboard to go forward? Will I stay, because I don't have to stay in the Valley of Accor anymore. <laughs> I don't. The, I now have a door of hope. I can move through because Jesus paid that for me. You know, I, uh, I think that if Aiken were to look at you and me today, Aiken would be like, take the deal. Aiken did not have the same opportunity that you have. And I don't mean that to guilt you. Please don't hear that as guilt. I'm not trying to do that. It, it's, just, it's just true. The, theologically, biblically speaking, Aiken didn't have Jesus. He didn't have the same opportunity. There was only one way to deal with Achan's sin. Achan had to die. You understand that? But Jesus died. And now in Christ, you are justified. You are set free. You've got a new day. The door, the, the valley of a core, that, that, that darkest spot in your life has now become a door Listen, some of you are maybe are even in the valley of a core at this moment. It's a dark day of trouble for you. You're hurting. I want you to hear the hope today that Jesus, Jesus, yeah. you know, um, I'm pretty open about it, but you know, Four years or so ago, my wife and I were on the verge, really, of divorce. Probably the darkest time in our marriage. And um, that was certainly a valley of accord for me personally. Oh, my goodness. That was no fun at all. You know, now, um, I thank the Lord every day in bed with my wife at night just to have her there such a blessing and to, and to wake up in the morning I thank the Lord that she's there 
and I make my wife her breakfast every morning, a little cup of coffee, a little piece of toast. It's the truth. She'll, she'll vouch for you. It's not about that. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve my wife. It's such a privilege. And it's only a little cup of coffee and a piece of toast. It's not a big deal. It's kind of more symbolic than anything is all it is. It's just, it's the opportunity to serve uh, my bride something that I came a hair's breadth away from losing just four short years or so ago. I'm thankful for it. And I say that just more as an illustration, I guess. You come through this valley of a core when you recognize that Jesus has justified you. When you, when you fully grab a hold of this, it truly changes the way that you move forward. You know, people talk about cheap grace. That's not what I'm preaching. But if you understand grace, it'll change the way that you behave. The Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. God is so kind. He wins us with kindness. That when I, when I grab a hold of his kindness, say, oh God, how could I not help but serve you with the rest of my life? <laughs> That's the point. The Valley of Accor has become a door of hope. We're moving ahead. I have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. I, I simply trusted him. I said, yes. He went through the valley for me. I said, thank you, Jesus. And now I have access to the God of the earth and you do too in Christ thank you Lord thank you Father oh Lord so this morning this morning Jesus how could I not help but say thank you for your thank you Jesus for, uh, for the freedom that we have in you thank you Jesus thank you thank you Jesus for paying it Jesus, I owed it. I was aching, standing there with your stuff hidden in my tent. I was caught red-handed, God, caught red-handed. And, and yet, Jesus, you paid the debt. You paid for it. And now I'm a man set free. And now I'm a man set on a mission to figure out every day how to honor you again, honor you more. <laughs> oh, Lord God, thank you. So, Lord, I want to pray this morning for this one here. So let me just give this as we, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, friends, I got a couple of words for a couple of us. One is this. You've got...
Lord, thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Without you, Jesus, we're not free. With you, we are free completely. Forgive us, Lord. We pray. Forgive our debt. We ask, God. And I pray, Lord, that you take this word and sink it deep into our hearts today that we leave this place feeling justified. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what you have done, Jesus. You paid my debt. And I bless you for it. just kind of sense in the I don't know I sense in this moment that the Holy Spirit's doing some work in our hearts and that's okay so I'm content to sit quiet for a second it's good let God do what he wants to do stand with me and let's sing together as we close and I want to open up our altar. Our altar's open for you to come and to pray really about anything and if you'd like somebody to pray with you our prayer team is available to pray with you but they don't have to. You just tell them you want to be alone that's fine too. But uh, just come and uh, what this is is it's a place really to process what God is talking to you about this morning before before we leave because I know what happens as soon as you leave that door the kids are there and the, just kind of gets it gets bananas so let's not waste this moment just spend a couple more minutes allowing the Holy Spirit you process this stuff with him okay so as we sing come to the altar and uh, meet the Lord thank you